Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Wonderful to have you with me. Man, are we living in exciting times. <laughs> Unless you have been on the moon, you know that there has been a major ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court. Let's dive into it. But before we dive into the actual facts of the Supreme Court ruling that, according to the press, has overturned Roe v. Wade, Let's just consider a few facts. The fact of the matter is that when it comes to abortion in America, one in five pregnancies in the U.S. in 2020 ended in abortion. That's 20%, one in five. The number of abortions in the U.S. had been in decline for about 30 years until 2017, when national abortion figures were at their lowest since Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. However, the new data shows they've been increasing since. In 2020, there were 930,160 abortions, compared to about 862,320 in 2017. That's an 8% increase According to the Guttmacher Institute, an institute I often cite, which is actually an organization that supports abortion, is pro-abortion. That's why I cite them. They're probably the gold standard for abortion statistics in the U.S., and they are they hold a different view than I do. So it's 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 I think it's a issue of integrity that I'm citing them and not a a pro-life organization. Uh, the abortion ratio, the number of abortions per 100 pregnancies, rose from 18.4% in 2017 to 20.6% in 2020. Now, the point is that abortions are on the rise in the United States. Okay, this is important. It's important because... Abortion is only one way to end a pregnancy, okay? Uh, it's only one way to, I should say, to prevent a pregnancy. You not only have abstinence, which I realize is an extreme solution, but it is a solution uh, encouraged and suggested by many people and practiced by many people. You have abstinence. Uh, you have natural biological methods, the rhythm method and things of this nature. Much is made of that in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, you have birth control, uh, condoms and uh, other form, uh, forms of medication that prevent conception. Uh, in addition to that, of course, you have surgeries, both for men and women, uh, that would prevent pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies. You also have, though I'm not an advocate for them, you have morning after pills, okay? So in our generation, uh, it should be possible to never have uh, a, a pregnancy that develops beyond the very early, very earliest stages uh, to the point where an abortion of a child that's been in the womb for months should be necessary. I'm not saying never, but I'm saying we have lots of other options. We have lots of other ways for preventing this. We have lots of other ways to make sure, of making sure that we aren't 
ending a child in the womb after that child's been growing for months and months. I want to just make that point. We talk about abortion as though it's the only way a pregnancy or, or an unwanted pregnancy can be prevented, but that is not true. In fact, I've even heard someone on television uh, who was not necessarily anti-abortion, who was sort of moderate on the issue, say that for the most part, this is going to be very bigoted, and I'm sure I'll get some mail about it, but this is not me saying it, this is this other person, who, by the way, was an MD, that for the most part in our generation, unwanted pregnancies really shouldn't happen. And if they do, for the, for the most part, they're not saying in every case, but for the most part, they're a result of some other form of laziness. Now, I'm not necessarily making that case. I'm not an expert in the field, but I heard an expert in the field say that, that there are so many other ways to prevent unwanted pregnancies that the fact that abortion is on the rise and the fact that we are in some states in the United States making it legal to abort a child late in the ninth month, literally in New York, you can abort a child the day before it would have been uh, born naturally. Pretty stunning. Pretty stunning. So I want to have that perspective in mind before we briefly go over what's happened in this Dobbs case before the Supreme Court. The Dobbs case, as you know, we've talked about this before on this podcast, arose from Mississippi. Mississippi restricted uh, the term during which an abortion should be allowed to happen. Um, this went to the Supreme Court, thus giving a Supreme Court with a conservative majority an opportunity to rule on Roe v. Wade. Now, let me just pause right now and say that I have been saying in this podcast for years that Roe v. Wade was bad law. It just was bad law law. It was badly crafted. It wasn't based well on previous decisions, previous court decisions on case law, stare decisis. It was a Latin phrase that means that. Uh, it was it was not well reasoned. It was not good law. And by the way, that's not Stephen Mansfield saying that. I want to say again, just for those of you who might be joining me newly, um, that I am not a lawyer. I have a couple of master's degrees and a doctorate in other fields. I pay attention to abortion because I care about it. I was almost aborted myself. Um, I've told that story before. Uh, it's something that I'm interested in. It's something that I care about as a Christian. It's something that I care about as an American, but I am not a lawyer. <laughs> Lawyers listening to this can go, no, no doubt, buddy. We can tell by the way you talk about this. I am not a lawyer at all. But even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a fairly left-leaning jurist, who has become kind of a pop culture figure, passed away now, was, was critical of the reasoning in Roe v. Wade. Other left-leaning jurists, other, we call, I'll use the popular term, liberal jurists, were critical of Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was just bad law. And so what has happened since 1973 is that we have an entire generation that's grown up in what Roe v. Wade and a later case called Casey, 1992, um, provided. Casey, by the way, was a uh, redefinition of abortion rights and abortion uh, abortion uh, guidelines, and it, it even it was critical and corrective of Roe v. Wade from 1973. My point, though, is that we've had a generation. Think about it, 1973. Uh, that's almost 50 years. 
since that case has happened, it'll be 50 years next year, um, and, or approximately. And all that to say that, that we have had a generation arise with pretty much unfettered abortion in the United States. Well, those of us who watch these things, analyze these trends, listen to the, to the experts, read the cases. I will actually sit down later today. I haven't had a chance yet uh, because of visitors in my home this weekend. Uh, but I will sit down and I will read the Supreme Court ruling. And those of us who do that, we realize that Roe v. Wade was bad law and that it was, it was just waiting for a redefinition or, or an overturn. And the fact is that it overreached. I've mocked many times the silly language in Roe v. Wade in which Justice Brennan said that uh, the right to privacy uh, was born of the emanations of the penumbras of the laws. This is like reading tarot cards or reading tea leaves or, or reading a horoscope out of the law, some kind of what the spirit of the law is, so to speak. I know what they were trying to say, but in other words, they overreached, they used bad science, it was just bad law. What should have happened, I will tell you, is that in Roe v. Wade, when this case came before the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court should have said what the Supreme Court said in the Dobbs case, and that is the states can do what they want. But what the Supreme Court rules on is the Constitution. And the Constitution does not provide any guarantee for an abortion. That would have been the proper ruling. That would have pushed this issue back to the states. You would have had the patchwork of laws uh, amongst the 50 states that you have, that you're going to have now. Decisions would have been made closer to the people. You see, we live in a republic and there's a federal government which is granted, according to the 10th Amendment, certain powers, but it's not granted all powers. And according to the 10th Amendment, if certain powers are not delineated by the Constitution, are not assigned by the Constitution to the federal government, then the federal government doesn't have those powers. In other words, if it's not delineated in, specifically named in the Constitution, then the federal government does not have those powers. It doesn't just make up powers on its own. It's decided in the Constitution. And people are pulling their hair out right now, especially those who are pro-abortion, thinking that the U.S. has outlawed abortion. It has not. It has simply said that the Constitution provides no guarantee of abortion. That is absolutely true. It does not provide anywhere, both, both specifically stating it or by principle, guarantee of an abortion. The Supreme Court's sole role is to decide on the constitutionality of laws. So what they said was that the Constitution, this is almost a quote, I've already read part of it, the Constitution does not provide a guarantee of abortion. Absolutely true. So Mississippi, pass what law you want to pass. New York, pass what law you want to pass. The fact is, New York has such an extreme abortion law, it just, to me, makes me want to cry out for mercy to God. Nevertheless, I will defend the right of New York to have its own law because I believe in federalism. I believe it's the most workable solution for human beings. California can do it at once. Washington State can do it at once. Um, New York can do it at once. Those are the three most extreme states when it comes to abortions, okay? And people can fly to other states and get abortions as they need to if they, if they um, 
live in a state that doesn't allow abortions. Now, I know I'm sounding like I'm trying to protect abortion rights here. What I'm trying to do is speak some calmness to those who have lost their minds thinking that abortion's been outlawed in the United States. It absolutely hasn't. It's just been pushed back to the states for the decision, which is where the decision should have been made to begin with. Roe v. Wade overturned or upended about 36 state laws because there were variations. States have different different standards. They had different levels. They had different requirements. They had different laws. And that's the way it should have worked. And an overreaching Supreme Court passed a bad law based on bad science, based on inaccurate uh, reading of the Constitution. We've lived with it for 50 years. A generation's gotten used to it. Now this court, forget conservative and liberal, this court has actually restored the right constitutional balance. I'm not saying that because they uh, ruled, in essence, against abortion at the federal level. I'm saying it because this is how the system works. The Supreme Court should not be ruling on things that should be left to the states. If the Constitution doesn't speak to it, the Supreme Court can't speak to it and cannot rule accordingly. The Supreme Court of 1973 pulled the Roe v. Wade ruling out of its ear. It had no basis at all. Even the Casey case of 92 that kind of redefined the basis for abortion was in essence critical of Roe v. Wade. Left-leaning journalists have been critical of Roe v. Wade. It was bad law. So what happens now is that people have to fight this out at the state level. That's where it ought to be. That's where people ought to be more politically active. This business of the federal government being the Mongo government, the mothership, the decider of all things for American life, would have been unknown to the founding fathers. Would have been unknown to them. Things were left to the states. Religious issues were left to the states. For example, initially, initially, the First Amendment guaranteeing religious freedom applied only to the federal government. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Congress, not the state legislature of Arizona, not the state legislature of Texas. So then we have the 13th and 14th Amendment that incorporated certain constitutional guarantees to the states. Okay, fantastic. We want uh, slaves to be free. We want them to be free in every state. That's, that's an appropriate use of that power. But that's because uh, the freedom of all men was already defined in our documents. And so the Supreme Court was ruling on something that was legitimate for it to rule on. When it came to abortion in 73, it overreached. And whenever you have bad law, you're going to have it overturned down the road. You're going to have challenges. So the press now wants to make a big deal of Trump appointees and wants to make big deal of conservatives versus liberals and wants to make a big deal of, of abortion being outlawed. Ain't none of it true. Okay. What you have for the most part on the Supreme Court are constitutional originalists, people who believe not that we have to be limited to only what the founding fathers said in 1789. That's nuts. That's why there's an amendment process, by the way. We've changed all kinds of things. We've changed the way senators have been appointed. Uh, We've changed the elected. We've changed the voting age. We've changed all kinds of things. We've changed things for women. We've done all kinds of stuff. We've outlawed booze and then we've restored booze. I mean, we've done all kinds of things. We grow, we change, we morph. So it's not as though we're locked into some 1789 straitjacket. But what you do have are people who say, look, the way the system works is if the Constitution doesn't speak to it, we can't rule accordingly. And what they said was the Constitution doesn't guarantee a right. 
to abortion. No question about it. The states are free to do what they want to do. Let's get to it. The battle should be happening at the state level. Are the state, the battles of the elections for governor and state senators and state representatives, they should be heated because that's where the majority of decisions ought to be made. This business of the of the overreaching uh, imperial federal government coming out of D.C. should not be happening. There are some things the federal government does better. It runs a mail system. It runs a military. It runs roads, et cetera, better than the states for the most part. But that doesn't mean it ought to be running all aspects of our lives. This was a good decision. It was a wonderful restoration of some American balance and restraint in government. The Supreme Court was effectively saying, we can't rule against this law coming up from Mississippi because the Constitution doesn't speak to it. Thank God some people in D.C. finally said, this belongs to the states. We don't have this authority. If that happened a little bit more, we'd be better off in America. Now, that's not some extreme position that I'm espousing, that everything ought to be at the state level. That's crazy. But certainly these kinds of deeply personal ethical decisions should be made at the most local level. Abortion will continue to be allowed and legal in America. I hope we change minds and stop being lazy and develop new technologies uh, so, so abortion never has to happen. That, that's my hope. That's where Stephen Mansfield's going. Change minds, better the science. I believe in birth control. I'm going to be opposed to any action um, by my Roman Catholic uh, legislator friends and Supreme Court friends um, to ban birth control. I believe in birth control. I think it's moral. I disagree with my Roman Catholic friends on this. Um, I'm a Protestant, and I believe in that. I don't think there's anything in Scripture that prevents birth control. So, so I'm going to be opposed to that. If, if Clarence Thomas starts taking off on, on birth control and the Supreme Court tries to outlaw any aspect of birth control, uh, they, I'm, now I'm going to be standing on the other side of the issue. But I, I believe in those technologies. I believe in, uh, in the surgeries. I, I've had the surgery that prevents me from conceiving a child after I had a couple of children and continue to want to have a, an effective and fun sex life and, uh, and without any burden to my wife. I'm being very personal here to make a point, but I believe in this stuff. And I think that's where we need to go. And I think we need to educate people. And I think we need to raise a vision. I think we need to continue to talk about the horrors of abortion. I think we need to get better with our technologies. I think abortion should be wiped out in America eventually simply by the decisions of the American people after they are informed um, and with good faith efforts on the part of the medical community. I think we can do this. And I think this issue can go away. And I heard somebody say this past week that, uh, abortion eventually will be viewed uh, like slavery was as a past horror. I hope it is. I hope it is. Am I anti-woman? No. Am I trying to dominate women and take control of their bodies? No. The child's a separate human being. That's just the way it works. Let's get to the point where no woman ever has to have an abortion. And yet people are free to make their other uh, procreative choices as they choose. All right, this is a good moment in American history. I'm sorry for those whose hair is on fire. I'm sorry for those who are upset. I'm sorry about the violence uh, against pregnancy clinics. I'm sorry uh, for the ignorance, quite frankly, that's out there. We don't do a very good job teaching American government in our schools, certainly not our universities and our graduate schools. So we need to get better at it. But this is one of the better rulings. And it's not just that I'm pro-life. This is one of the better rulings because finally we're seeing a branch of our government say the Constitution doesn't allow us to do this. 
And I know it seems extreme, especially within a Biden administration that reaches to anything it wants to deal with without much regard for the Constitution. And I say that critically. I'm usually not very critical of our elected leaders, but I'm very concerned about this particular administration. And I know that the Supreme Court decision stands out. And it stands out largely because this is rare. A branch of our government has said, we're governed by the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't speak to this. Therefore, the Supreme Court can't speak to this. Mississippi and Georgia and Kansas and Wisconsin and California and New York will have to make this decision for themselves. It's a move towards democracy. It's a restoration of Republican principles. I don't mean in terms of political party, Republican, but the Republic of our founding. This is a good thing, but it's going to take a while for this to shake out. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.